0: Baby blue Victoria. Excuse me, he's Goes again through midwicket. That's an even better shot from the Victorian captain. Swept away very nicely by Nicole Bottle for four. Oh, he's free given. That is fifty. The man from Northcote. And welcome to another edition of the Vic State Cricket Podcast. I'm Adam White, and we've got a big show coming up. A very interesting show. Our special guest a little bit later on will be Bob Quiney to talk about his career, five-time Shield winning champion with the Vicks and a very good story to tell as well. But I have got Matt Short with me. Matt, fresh from, well, a couple of games down uh, in Tassie, one in Launceston with the One Day Cup and obviously the Shield game in Hobart. Welcome.
1: Thanks, mate. Good to be back. A win and a draw. A successful time? Uh, oh, I guess so. Better than a couple of losses, I guess. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's always good to to get a win in the One Day um Got a little bit close in the end, but um, uh, the boys did a good job. And yeah, an interesting game down in, in Hobart there in the Shield game. Um, yeah, another draw, so it's all well, three now. So, yeah, um, yeah hopefully uh, up, in the, up in Brisbane next week if we can get the win.
0: Yes. Now, we're really excited because our special guest is someone that made his debut and he's uh, very much the talk of the town at the moment. I speak of Ash Chandrasinger who made his debut and what a debut it was. Before we introduce him, what were your thoughts on what you saw? He batted for about 16 days and no <laughs> one was ever going to get him out.
1: Yeah, I um, obviously haven't seen much of him play um, before but um, obviously going off his last innings in the, the second level up in um, New South Wales, I think it was, um, where he batted for a couple of days there with Will Pukowski, I thought, thought you know, it would be perfect for the conditions down in Hobart and yeah, it was just unreal. Um, you know, to come, go down there especially, um, you know, a batsman's nightmare. Sending um, yeah. Sent in on day one, batting at three, um, yeah, it was probably one of the better innings I've, I've seen.
0: Now, Ash has been doing Media Street. He's just come from a massive press conference. There's Channel 9, Channel 7 there, the <laughs> cameras everywhere. Um, and he's up with us now. Ash, congratulations.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, happy to be here. What was it like doing... No, no,
0: don't worry about the, the cricket. What it was <laughs> like doing the interview and all the, the cameras on <laughs> you and having to answer all the tough questions?
2: Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a little bit different. Obviously, haven't something I haven't done before. But, um, yeah, a bit of attention. Um, it's pretty nice. But, yeah, I just rolled it out, I guess.
0: Now something that isn't different to you is making runs and batting a long time and uh, it feels weird talking to you because I just watched you on on the phone or the laptop for about two days batting, making it look incredibly easy.
2: Was it easy? Um, No, definitely not. Um, I think after I spent maybe an hour at the crease, I realised, you know, how sort of First class cricket sort of operates, and you got to really, you know, earn your earn your runs. Um, and yeah, my I got off the mark at the first ball, which was pretty nice. But then to get to to get to my second run took a, a long time. But um, yeah, pretty happy I got through it, and um, yeah, got through the end. Jackson Bird,
0: Peter Siddle, Riley Meredith, just t- to name three, as uh, Matt said on bowler of friendly conditions on day one. What? When did it get to a point where you thought, "Oh, I'm actually going okay here. I might be up to this sort of challenge"?
2: Um, yeah, it is pretty interesting because you know you sort of see see those sort of guys growing up, and you you watch their their run ups and action from behind on the on the TV, and then facing it from the front pretty, yeah, like it's pretty interesting. It's really nice, really nice sort of moment. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I think until maybe I got to after. Um, Stumps on day one, I thought, you know, like I'm actually going okay here and um, batting with Pete as well, that was an exceptional experience. He knows his stuff and, um, yeah, I think that's when I sort of felt like I was going okay after day one.
0: Matt, what was the thing that impressed you the most watching from the, obviously from the change rooms, but even just seeing him before play preparation-wise and, and after his innings? What was the thing that stood um, out
1: to you? Oh, just the way he went about it. It's almost like he'd played 50, 80 games of Shield cricket Um and he slotted in perfectly. Um, didn't really see him phased by any, any of the you know the cap presentation or um, you know the whole hype of his first game. It's sort of like he just went straight in, went went about his business, and even with his batting, I think um, just stuck to his guns. Um, obviously, his defenses you know second to none, um, and then he's got his two or three scoring shots which he obviously played pretty well. And um, yeah, just waited patiently. It's probably the most patient innings I've ever seen um, firsthand. So um yeah it's a huge credit to him
0: ash your background is is an interesting one in the sense that where you've just stepped through the grades dominating each grade you've gone through whether it be premier cricket um second 11 cricket that we talked about um going up and making a truckload of runs in darwin does that give you confidence that when you get to
2: the next level that you've got that foundation behind you um yeah definitely i think um you know, sort of getting some runs under your belt and lots of games under my belt whilst in Darwin um, sort of gives you some confidence um, coming into this season. Um, I guess it may be be a bit of an edge as well, having that we haven't been able to um, play over here. But, um, yeah, definitely some confidence coming on from, um, you know, getting some runs beforehand. And, um, yeah, I was pretty happy with um, how it sort of helped me come through.
0: Talk us through the, the pathway program that you've gone through,
2: obviously South
0: Melbourne or Casey South Melbourne, but even before then, your you junior cricket, have you always been someone that loves to occupy the crease and just bat a long time?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, my my batting coach, Owen Mathew, he's sort of um, big on, you know, um occupying the crease, he's a bit of
0: a tyrant he expects big things from you yeah
2: yeah a little bit he's he's huge on you know sort of but he always tells me you, you can't score runs um if you're not out there in the middle yeah, so sure. um I've sort of just sort of been um drilled, drilled by that um and yeah sort of always been sort of that way in the junior sort of pathways which um was a little bit of a handful especially with you know most of it being you know white ball sort of cricket so I've had to sort of um, you know, try f- diff, trying different ways um, mm-hmm. to, you know, find scoring options. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy that, you know, sort of got to spend a lot of time out in the, you know, second 11 red ball games and, um, and yeah, happy to spend some time in the debut as well.
0: Now the pressure of expectation rises even further. You had pressure on you before you played a game and then you've gone and, you know, answered that in the best possible way. How are you going to cope now? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I guess there is sort of a bit more, you know, attention on myself. But I think, uh, like, you got to sort of just stick to your own processes and stick to your own plans as well. And you know, pre-game, post-game, sort of stuff. Just keep it, keeping the consistency going, and um, just try not to change too much and putting pressure on yourself.
0: Well, congratulations. It was great to see. It was really enjoyable to watch high-quality batting against high-quality bowling. It happens again next week. You've got Steckity. You've got who else? Uh, nice. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a bit scary Pretty to think about it t- after the Gabba, yeah. but I reckon you might go okay <laughs> based on what happened in Tassie. Um, go well again and uh, fantastic.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate
0: it. Ash Singer joining us on the Vic Cricket Podcast. Nick, you got to stay here because we've got uh, our special guest, Bob Quiney, next, uh, a wait. former Test player. Played for Victoria for well over a decade and he's got a great story to tell. That's next. Alright, our special guest uh, this week, obviously was Ash Chandra Singer, but as we look back in time, Matt, we're going to talk to Bob Quiney. Now, when I say the name Bob Quiney, what do you think of?
1: Uh, John Scholes. Um, we've got a, a medal named after John Scholes and pretty much a, the best bloke award. Um, it's been run for, for years now and... Yeah, Bobby's just one of those people who pretty much took me under his wing when I first joined. Um, he probably doesn't really know that but, yeah, I sort of looked up to him. He was one of the the, the guys that sort of made me feel probably most welcome, him and, and Huss and, and Petey Hanscom as well. So uh, very, very good man.
0: Bob Kearney, welcome. Oh,
3: thanks for having me. I've got a <laughs> tingles then. Um,
1: I, don't, I don't like compliments
3: very often but – um, I'll take that one. And, and, and I probably didn't, knowing that you're on, the, on, on this podcast today, I was thinking back to, you know, my interactions with you when, I, when you first come on the scene. And I feel like you were, on, you were at the academy, I think, two or three years of those first four years, I reckon, that you're around. And, um, you know, he was a really quiet kid. Um, just went about his business in the locker room. Um, but I, it was one thing that Huss and I made sure we did, either made someone feel really comfortable or uncomfortable, but to get to un- to being comfortable, if that makes sense, like to bring them out of their shell. So um, I'm glad there was some form of impact there, so I appreciate that.
0: Very good. So it doesn't matter who I speak to, they'll always say the same thing about you. Great team man mm. above all else. How how much do you wear that as a ba- as a badge of honour?
3: Oh, not a badge of honour. I think it's it's good from a a respect perspective um you know if, if if i walk away from my cricket career and people go oh that's the guy who saved the seagull and he was a good bloke <laughs> i probably missed the trick a little bit there <laughs> you know it'd be nice to say it wasn't worse better um but i guess yeah no it is it means i guess my time in the game I, I did pride myself on being you know team first um and it potentially got me a few extra games at times as well but um yeah so I, it's not a badge of honor but something i'm pretty proud of as well
0: did that happen because you were always that way, junior cricket you know, going through the grades or is it something that came a bit later when you realised eh, you knew a bit more about your game but also about the importance of being a good team man? I
3: think, I think it evolved from like the, like the manners and, and respect my dad taught me as a kid to get into St Kilda. My first trainings at St Kilda were in creams and whites as well. Like We had to Tuesday, Thursday in creams and then Saturday play in them. <laughs> And it was about respect and not wearing a hat in a bar um they had this, um you know fines if you did it it's a um a respect to the those St Kilda cr- um cricketers who had fought in the war um so it was a hats off to them and then people within the club who were saying they, they probably did the same thing when they were younger. It's almost doing your apprenticeship, really, and going and get the hat for the people, um, being happy for other people when they do well, and you just get used to it, and you see that it, when, when everyone buys in, it actually works. So um, it just helps when you've got some good cattle around you at the same time. Yeah,
0: exactly right. <laughs> so it, it took until you about 24 before you played first-class cricket. Mm. Is there a reason why it took so long? I mean, the team was very strong through that period, but even your own development as a
1: cricketer?
3: I... A lot of people probably say they don't think they're going to get to a, a certain level. I generally never tried to become a professional cricketer. Um, it was probably, there was two crucial moments in, in my life. One was um, I got my year 12 results, I got 40, and I rang my dad. No, my dad rang me, I was at home, and he said, how'd you go? And I said, I got 40. I was like, Dad, are you there? <laughs> he's like, we'll talk when I get home. And I was like, oh, shit, like this, this is going to be a really long afternoon until Dad gets home. It was the best thing that he had, like probably, probably spoke about it to other people at work, like his brother and, and stuff like that. And he got home and later that year um, for Christmas he, he bought me a trip to England. It all, he goes, I'm, we're organising for you to go to England, you're playing cricket um, and i'm like oh, cool that's that's all right you know and it, i mean in hindsight you look back and and it was it was because you know what my sister's one got 98 one got 90 on their on their enter scores and i got 40 so there's the, the ugly duckling in the family from an <laughs> academic perspective so i went to england and then the second crucial moment came up is i went to england as 100 kilos uh, learned so much about life learned how to win games as well as as a batter um, but unfortunately Got exposed to um, pay TV before it really became popular here. It was I think Optus Vision had just started at that stage, and they had Sky TV over there. And my goodness, it was it was heaven. And um, you know the Domino's ads would, would come on. Um, I'd order a pizza. The cans of beer, as you know, you both know, um, they're they're not your three hundred and seventy mil cans. They're, they're double that. And before I know it, I was one hundred fifteen kilos back on the plane home. So. I got some, some honest feedback from St Kilda boys when I got back and those two moments were like, okay, what, what the hell am I doing with my here? My dad's given me a chance here to, to go down a, a specific avenue, um, worked hard on my fielding and my fitness and my batting, went through the grades um, and then luckily enough um, did well enough to get a rookie contract. Didn't didn't play. I think I played an exhibition game uh, against the World Eleven, but didn't play any other games. Um, got invited back to train. I thought, ah, oh, you know, they don't want me. Um, my dad said, "Don't be a dickhead. Get your head out of your ass. Go back and train." So you you'd go. You train in the morning, work at the Puma factory um, during the day, then you go train again at night. And it was that season um, that I see that uh, one day debut against Queensland, and then um, Shield debut the against the next month. So.
0: So how, how many times did you go to England in the end?
3: Overall, one, one full season, one half season, but we went on a couple of um, tours. Like Cricket Victoria did some really good tours <laughs> back in the day called the Emerging Players Tours. <laughs> they were very social tours, um, but they were really good. Like you, the rookies went, so Finch, Matty Harrison, Sids, myself, a bloke called Matty Innes, um, there was a couple more, Aiden Blizzard, there were a couple, Clint Mackay. There were these like pretty good group of cricketers, um, going to England and just you know we played against not second eleven a couple of times, um, you know at one stage we went to India we did an India Sri Lanka trip. There was a bombing in Sri Lanka so half the team wanted to stay in the hotel the other half were keen to play so we went shopping. Um, a couple of the other boys who didn't want to go out snuck out and got <laughs> caught so um, definitely a lot of life experiences but. I would recommend anyone to go to England and play cricket for multiple reasons, to get out of their life comfort zone, um, to to play on different wickets, to be the pro and learn how to win games for people. Um, And then aesthetically, the grounds over there, you both know that, they're so good to have, you know, the ground I played on was at battle and it was so small that if you hit a six, it only counted as four anyway. Um, And on one side, you got the back of houses from the main town. Um, at one end, you've got the re- recreation of the Battle of Hastings uh, and then on the other side, you've just got paddocks. So if you hit the ball on one side, you've got cow pads. On the other side, you've got glass windows. So. Probably a tree in the middle of the field as well. Well, there's heaps of them <laughs> o- over in England, aren't there? Yeah. The trees and go, what happens here? So like, oh, <laughs> yeah, All right, no worries. <laughs> Try for the tree.
0: So, cause it's, the reason I wanted to ask you about that is whether it's through playing league cricket or playing with the Crusaders as you did as well, yeah. that whole life experience... I guess perspective as well to come back that well, it took to twenty 24 before you're playing for Victoria, you had a lot of life experiences yeah. before you actually get into that high pressure environment of, of first-class cricket.
3: Yeah, and I think it's important to, to have those life experiences as well. It doesn't have to be necessarily playing cricket in England. It could be working. It could be exposed to, you know, your non-cricket stuff. And it's, it's probably a lot harder now with guys coming through the 17s and 19s. And I guess the only positive of me not coming through that that pathway was I was exposed to, to life really, um, although I still needed at that age. I still think a lot of people do need that that nudge or a prod from a, a parent or a mentor to go, hey, I know you want to do this, but this is what you should be doing for now, and then and then let that person grow. So,
0: so losing all that weight, I know that I remember at the time <coughs> uh, talking to you about you know giving up KFC or giving up fast food, and it was a real specific um, commitment to changing your life. Mm. How hard was it to do it or was it actually easy to do it, Did the, just the light go off in your there's
3: head? That there was, it was both. It was a light going off but I, I would have at least two cans of Coke a day uh, at one stage and um, the hardest thing about when you have that, one, there's there's the, the habit of getting used to drinking it but you know with, with the sugars like, you know, you, you go off it for a bit and you're drinking water and your brain's going, where's this sweet stuff? Where's my, where's my heat, you know? Um, but it was – I just knew and um, – I think I had supportive friends around me as well. Like there would be times where you don't go out, and you probably do the same thing. You might go somewhere and not drink, and people are like, why, why aren't "You won't do Well, I've, I've got bigger fish to fry here. Um, I've, I'm going to give it a crack, um, you know." And and you probably notice. I'm not sure whether Shorty, sure, you notice when you you think you're fit enough, and then you get into an environment like this where your fitness level needs to go to another level, and you go, "I don't, I don't want to eat that shit or drink bad drinks because I know I've, I've put in all this work." Um, just let me give a nice little period here of getting fit um, mm-hmm.
0: I think you're right like because your background's a bit different, yeah. isn't it? I mean you went you know footy or cricket or yeah. like that like you were always the athlete before you even <laughs> started playing cricket in a lot I, of
1: ways I think yeah sort of back in my my day with the two brothers we were sort of playing everything and um, in the backyard and um, no, Bobby's right like there's times when you, you do grow up and you, you're like shit I can't eat this or. You know, maybe I need to rein it in with going out on the weekends and, and not drink or and still enjoy your time with your mates and stuff. But, yeah, there are other sacrifices that you need to make and it's amazing how much better you actually do feel, um, not only physically but I suppose mentally and you just feel yep. fresher and, and ready to go. Um, that's another thing about Bobby. Like a lot of people do say how much of a good bloke he is but um, something I saw towards the end of his career um, was just still how much he still wanted it and how, how hard he worked and... Um, yeah, when what what age were you when you retired? Sort of mid thirties. Yeah, 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 I think so, it's about five years ago now. Yeah, so it's it was amazing how much yeah he was still wanting to play for Victoria and just to see him how how hard he worked. Mm. Um, pretty motivating as a a younger guy coming through and sort of someone to look up to. Like you know that's that's pretty professional of, of what he what he was doing. So. Um, no, you're definitely right with the, some of those sacrifices that you need to make. And
3: um, How many weddings or major birthdays you potentially either missed or like you've got mates who, you know, you, you text the next day and they're like, Whoa, geez, how good was last night? And you're like, FOMO, straight away.
1: <laughs> you, I've, even this year I've had probably three weddings I've, I couldn't get to, but that's a thing. You get used to it and, you know, at the end of the day you, you're doing what you love and, um, yeah, there's always going to be you know, the upside of, of something coming up soon. So mm. spot on.
0: The last one about the England experience before Victoria, because you mentioned it before about the responsibility of winning games for a, a club, the pressure of, you know, if you make a duck on the Saturday and then make another one on the Sunday of, you know, people are oh, talking behind your back yeah. or that sort of thing. Dealing with that pressure, did that help you then – because yeah, there's batting well and there's actually knowing how to make runs. I think yeah. there's a there's a, a Batsmanship
3: there. almost. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. You
0: learn all of that when you're playing over there all the time.
3: Correct. And you also, one thing I learned, because I didn't necessarily come back and I wasn't a huge match winner, you know, for St Kilda at times, Victoria at times, not like, you know, you think of a Huss, a Whitey, a Hodgie, Herbie who's obviously on this podcast, you know, they're, they're <coughs> out and out match winners. But you learn how to get past like the old 20 and 30 on board. Hang on, I, I, I can't just rely on, you know, Hodge or Wide or Huss to, to mm. finish the job here. Um, I need to do it and you learn how to do that as well, which is which is pretty cool and it doesn't always work because you. it's also an opportunity to explore your game as well. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing people talk about, you work on a sweep shot in the nets and then you go have a practice match and you're like, I need to, I need to do well to try and start in the team. But it's the perfect opportunity to, to – but unless you go to – like you can't do it unless you go to England or Darwin or something like that to, to expose that. So, um, yeah, oh, it was it was such a great learning experience. I'm actually keen to go back, not to play, but it would be nice to go back to the Ashes next year.
0: It would be. Very nice. Um, take us through that whole thing of getting into the state team at a time when it was so strong. You mentioned some of the names then you're having to almost get past one of those to get into the team. Open the batting, you batted three, you batted in the middle order, so you could bat a variety of different roles. What was that like, just getting in and then staying in?
3: Getting in was amazing. I never thought I'd play state cricket for one. Um, I guess filling holes was something I had to be good at because at that time we did have a strong side, but there was always seemed to be one spot sort of up for grabs. Mashie, Lloyd Mash was around at that time, um, but you'd always have – Either Hodge was going for Australia, then Whitey and Huss were away for Australia. Um, and there was always a spot or two ready to go, whether it be one day cricket or four day cricket. And I feel like in Shield cricket, I was probably in and out a little bit for the first couple of years. Um, I started at three and then I found my niche. I think I might have gone to open and then I've gone down to five and six. And then I had a really good season. But then there was a spot opening and Shippy said, Doing an open. I said, Oh, gonna right at five and six and, and he goes mm, I think opening might be better and um, so I went back to open and had another good year but it was also I mean it's smart from him because then he can bring someone in who's a bit younger expose them you know through the middle to lower order um, and team balance so um, yeah I, you just learn learn to adapt I'd much prefer to open the batting like I, I think I've ticked off nearly everything an opener can do you you go out first ball of a game, um, <laughs> left the ball, first ball of a second innings, you know, the cut like straight into middle and leg league stump. <laughs> um, you know, you, you tick those off and you don't fear them anymore. And, you know, my dad used to say, you face the first ball, it's the hardest ball that ball is going to f- bowl because that like, if, new ball, they don't, they don't necessarily control that first ball. Now, you get to this level, you hope they do somewhat. But as a lefty, you're hoping just either oh, something too wide that doesn't swing back or it's off your hip, there's your one. Uh, and away you go. So I much prefer to open than back down the, down the lower order.
0: Now both of you can answer this question about white ball versus red ball. Do you reckon you were a better white ball cricketer or a red ball cricketer?
3: I was a better one-day cricketer. So yep. if I had to rank, I'd go one-day cricketer, shield cricketer, 2020 cricketer. Shorty?
1: Yeah, I think white ball – I think I'm more suited to white ball. Um, I guess it's – my maybe it suits my game, game style, more aggressive um, – Especially sort of opening the batting, as Bobby was saying, like you've got that freedom and um, probably a bit more pressure on the bowlers, I reckon, than than the batters. So, um, yeah, probably a few more mind mind tricks in the in the red ball kind of things. Um, so batting you, time and
0: yeah. So how do you do? You, how differently do you bat, um, or do you just let natural ability take? Yeah,
1: over? I think that's sort of what I'm fighting with at the moment. Yeah, is, that's um, what i wanted to
0: ask you. Because it's going well at the moment for
1: you. It is, it is. But, um, yeah, obviously you're thinking a little bit more conservative in, in the red ball and, and batting more time. Um, but I go sort of back what to what um, Fong was saying was uh, open the batting. You you know that's your set role. It's going to be the same every time. The ball's new, field's up. Whereas if you're batting in the middle, you you don't know what scenario you're going to come in. You might be three down for nothing or you might be three down for 250. So... Um, being able to, to adapt is, is something I'm still probably learning and um, coming in at different times. But, yeah, definitely enjoy top of the order there in the white ball. Yeah. What about
0: for you? So you, where you ranked at 50 over first, did that help you become a better Shield player as you sort of felt more comfortable at that level or how did it, how did it evolve for you as a I club?
3: felt like as an opener I probably played a few more shots than, than other openers at that time. Uh, and by that I mean I probably like a, you know early doors didn't know where my off stump was, so I tended to want bat on ball a lot more. Um, I was a compulsive hooker, so I tended to take that on a little bit more. I was fighting demons about I was saying don't play it, don't play it, and just kept playing it until I I, I reframed it and said this is my single, this is everyone else's off the hip. This is this is my single. You know I I, I was usually pretty good at if it was too high you could get away, if it was too short you'd you'd find a way to get through, but. Um, finding the difference my my only downfall I think in, in one day cricket apart from I was never great at spin but was converting so i so many starts and never converted too many. I think I only got one or two hundreds in, in one day cricket and when we're playing we're in positions we're at North Sydney Oval, thirty overs, I was on on eighty runs and instead of the batsmanship of going I don't think it's selfish, it means all right, I'm just going through the gears. I'm just gonna gear down here. And make sure I get to that hundred, knowing that I could just explode, and it's a you know it doesn't matter after that. So um, I just think my game was more suited to one day game than it was a four day game.
0: So what then happened? What what then? You talk about gears. You went to this other gear where all of a sudden you just started making mountains of runs. Mm. Um, did anything change in the way you played, or was it more a, a mindset thing? Because all of a sudden you you you're on the Australian radar, you never thought you'd play Victoria and all of a nah. sudden there, there's talk about, well, you just got to play this guy because he just keeps making all belief, these
3: runs. Belief was the biggest one. Um, I was I, I, was quite an insecure cricketer. Always like, okay, you make runs and you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? I like, no, no, like, you know, if I, if I could give myself a piece of advice is be proud or walk off <laughs> with your chest out. He might have nicked a few through to third man, but hey, like that's, that, you know, where, where else are you supposed to get your runs? <laughs> Other people get them there, you know, shorty gets them there, I get them down there, you know, that's the way it is. And it would alleviate a lot of any, you know, anxiety that went with that. But um, knowing your game is, is so important and it, and it takes time. So you talk about that period of my career, mm. um, I think I was about 28, 29 through that period. And they talk about a peak between twenty five and thirty, and maybe that's where I was peaking.
0: Yeah. So you talk about insecurities in that Victorian setup. Who were the people that you relied on to help you with those insecurities to to give you the, the confidence?
3: Probably that? wasn't it. Probably wasn't within the squad. Um, you you almost just put on a facade around the squad, you mm. know, to make sure that you know, no, everything's all right. And then I'd go back to Graeme Rummens at club cricket um to sort of say madam I'm, I'm struggling a little bit and and it was almost similar to what i guess maybe Terry Jenner did with with shane Warren. it sounded like a lot of the stuff there was elements of technical with with those two but it was more about no no you're a good spinner you know and rumo would go mate you're a good batter but like, you need to believe it and sometimes it's just conversations like that we go okay well yeah all right and then you walk away, and and you you believe it, and then it helps you all of a sudden. So that it was my go-to outside of that within the within the team. Like you know, opening batting with Julie was good because he'd, he'd, he'd keep you honest. He'd keep you you know, come mate, pull your head in. You know, we got we got a bigger picture here. Um, so again, well, St Kilda guys, obviously you know that helped that. Um, Cam White was good, and he's he's uh, you know, Cam White's impact on a lot of batters within the squad through his time has been immense. You know. Um, Sometimes I think early doors is probably was quite blunt and direct in terms of his <laughs> his advice and mentorship, but you know his last five six years, um, you know he's been amazing. So those three were, were were pretty instrumental.
0: What what makes it? I'll ask you this first, man, about Cam White because so many people talk about the influence that he's had on on you on not just you but mm. on players. What is it about him?
1: I think Bobby nailed it on the head. Um, he's just keeps it so simple. Um, he's got a Wealth of knowledge, you know, he's captain at such a young age and, you know, been all around the world and even started coaching, you know, the last three or four years. Um, he's sort of getting better at that and understanding the, the younger boys a bit better now. I think now he's out of the squad. Um, well, what about, get, what about the time the difference? <laughs> like when he first come onto the scene and it's
3: like you've got to earn your stripes, champ, mm. um, and, and you speak when you've spoken to where, <laughs> where now it's like we're embracing everyone, you know. Yep. You've been in for one minute. You can talk as much as, you know, Peter Hanscom at the moment. Yeah.
1: It goes back to sort of when I first started in the squad. I might have spoke about this the other week. Like everyone in the change room was either playing for Australia or had played for Australia and Fong was one of those. and Yeah, I think now – and, you know, Whitey was such a big big part of that and um, had – you know, he's captain at the time and – yeah, now he's sort of taking that step back and he's not involved with the Vicks anymore. But, um, you know, young guys are going up to him and, and trying to get the knowledge off him and just sort of shows how, how good he is. And
3: I think um, early doors he wasn't as necessarily, especially when he's captain, he wasn't as approachable as he was. So maybe his first few years, but after that, um, I guess he probably had like an, an intimidating factor about him as well, particularly to the young guys. And um, he, and he and he was he was straight to the point. And I guess maybe if you're a young guy, you're going, oh, I just might I might ask him or him." Um, and once they break the barrier down to actually speak with Whitey, like floodgates, um, what he's got to offer, like you said inside, the knowledge and the experience that he has, um, and and simplifies everything. Um, but he, he doesn't necessarily sugarcoat anything either, which I think is really good.
0: Yeah. So it's hard to believe it was 10 years ago, the 2012-13 season. It's quite terrifying actually. <laughs> um, you go and make uh, 85 against uh, South Africa, playing yeah. Australia A team, and all of a sudden you're kind of franking all this form from the Sheffield Shield. Did you think you are going to get a call?
3: No, nah, my Shield form, because I think we played two or three Shield games before that game and Shield form was horrendous. I don't think I got to 30 um, in about three games and... Um, got the Aussie A game. I thought, oh, perfect. Look, that's a bit of acknowledgement from the last two years. Went up there, had Marion Reeks, Andrew McDonald and Phil Hughes and I thought like those guys, they're the guys that are on the radar right now. Um, And so I was going to – I just took it for what it was and gone, look, if this is as high as I get, that's pretty cool. And I know sometimes the Aussie A games tend to be a bit of a a practice match and people sort of play for themselves. But I just went there, had a bit of fun. I knew – I'd met, like, guys like Dale Steyn, Mornay Morkle, Graeme Smith, all them before, um, uh, but it, it, it helped a little bit seeing them around, like whatever nerves were there. And then he, Dale Stane was bowling at about 60% in that first innings on a on a pretty slow SCG wicket. So it helped. My biggest – the thing I was proud of most was how I handled Imran Tahir. Um, that was my biggest nerve. I got there. It helps when you're sort of, like, 40 or 50 or – by the time he comes on but got to pick him a little bit and and played him really well um and that was i walked away from that innings going yep like i, I felt pretty good um and then the second innings um second innings was interesting so liam davis was opening with me he got out early in the second innings and it's when you, got, you just got to play time like we had i think we had to play an hour after tea in, on the last day in the third day and it's like we just, we have to there's people in the crowd they've paid their money like you've just got to keep playing and, and sure enough, like Dale Steyn, again, is bowling probably about 75% at this stage. Um, but then Phil Hughes gets down the other end and holy Jesus, like <laughs> he's, he's, he ramps it up well and truly. Like, um, you know, a couple of balls thing past his, his grill um, and you go down there and he, and he goes, bruh, he's bowling fast. I said, no shit. I said, you can stay down that end. Um, but it was a clear that I think even their process, they thought that Phil was going to play. Um, and just try to, you know, ruffle some feathers and, and start the intimidating process from there. But I felt like it was like a couple of boys knew that I'd been selected before I did because we had the shower, we're having a beer and and there was this, like looking back, there was people smiling. I was like, I want to smile you know. Inverarity comes over and says, well, can I speak to you on the balcony? Yeah, the balcony, the SCG balcony. And straight away it's like, oh, can, you can't get dropped from an Aussie A game, can you? <laughs> like, so you walk over there and he's like, oh, look, shane watson's injuries on standby you can go up on standby up to queensland we just want to give you enough notice and um went up to queensland uh, i think like six days out then i think a day and a half later they'd ruled what i out and said we'll give you you know as much notice and preparation time as as possible and yeah got the family up which was was pretty cool and it was great alan border the hat like he was i'm not sure how many people always talk about having posters on a wall i'm not sure how many people actually have posters on their wall anymore but (laughs) He was on my wall. Like it was, you know, that, that the slog sweep um, shot with his Duncan Fernley. And then him, you know, he's, he's handing, minus his moustache, but uh, handing my, my baggy green to me saying some nice words. And you sort of sit there and pinch yourself and you go, holy shit, like this is, this is real. And, yeah, so that experience was good except, yeah, for the next nine or ten days of Test cricket, it didn't really pan out. Well, <laughs> I think you've just
0: given a great insight into being selected for Australia. Um, you talked about being like a dream. It, when does it become a reality, reality? Is it when you're walking out for the first time to bat? Is it when do you sort of think F- No, just on the, field,
3: on the field. On the field you do the national anthem and that still feels like not quite real and it's not until they get into it and the opening bowls are coming in. I think Hilfenhaus, um, Pato, SIDS were getting into their work and, and yeah. And then when you're in the field and it might have been first game Victoria or whatever but you just want you want the first catch to stick as well, the first chance. And it didn't happen for ages. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fine.
0: Now, you didn't bat until late in the third day because of rain and, and whatever yep. else. And people still talk of it as the best nine in the history of Test career. I think career. only <laughs> one person talked of it as being the best
3: <laughs> best nine in Test career was, was Mickey Arthur, the coach. But I don't know how. I, I nicked one for four. I, I, I bunted a couple of pull shots for two. Um, and then... Got caught on the on the boundary. I don't I don't know how it was so good, but there's another one. I, I'm what is it? The seagull saver and, and best test nine. That can be my my motto.
0: What was it like? You talked about staying bowling at sixty percent in Australia A game, but he was bowling pretty quick that day. So my go.
3: first ball, uh, I was going through my head. I went against everything that I I'd, I'd got to that point. I said, don't pull him. If you bowl short, don't pull him. And sure enough, he bowled short and I pulled him. Like it's like you dickhead. But. Um, it was – mate, it was, it was such – it's so bittersweet to, to get to that position but to then fail like I did, it was so deflating, so deflating and, you know, you make nine and it is what it is. We always want to make runs on our debut but then the next test was obviously horrendous um, and it, it's probably more that I felt like I let a lot of people down. Um, I, I had so much support and I'm sure everyone does when they, when they make their test debut or play for Australia – but I just felt like, you know, it was hard to go back to them and I wanted to say sorry to everyone that supported me because i let them down. And I know, like, you know, you're shaking your head now and, and rightly so, you know, but it's, it's, that's how I felt and how I still feel, you know, to this day. There's, there's elements of, like, geez, I wish I could have done a whole lot better for so many people. It's not me. Like, I, I cop it on the chin um, after the Adelaide Test match, obviously flat that we couldn't get the, the win. It was, a, it was a long draw. You you bowled about 25 overs. Well, my test career, I think I bowled 25 (laughs) overs for 29 runs or something. So if I got one wicket, I might have had an average. (laughs) Um, But I I remember, again, Mickey Arthur and and, and Michael Clarke saying, can we just have a word? And I walked in and I apologised and said, thanks for the opportunity. I I made it easy for him because I knew it was happening. um, But I just said, appreciate the opportunity and, um, you know, sorry I let you down.
0: Which you didn't. That's just
3: cricket. Oh, it is, no, it is. It's cricket, but it shows how important it is to to take your opportunity in that small time when you do get a, a chance at the top, and um, and how cutthroat it is at the top. You know, um, the, the the final words for them was like, you, you know, your next cab off the rank. It's okay, which clearly I wasn't, but that is that is what it is. But it shows how quickly things can pass you by like that. So.
0: You look back on it now and wish you had another opportunity. Of course, or it, no. I've, does it does it stew on you, or is it just
3: it is? But what it only stews on me probably when I talk, when I talk about it. And I guess you know there are a lot of people who go, "Hey, you've got a baggy green. Like it's better than this person and that person." It's like yeah, but it's like having a you know an amazing bat and not being able to use it. You know, I wore it for two tests. I've worn it. Um, I've worn it at the backyard having a couple of beers at times <laughs> just to get some wear into it. You know, um, but it's that that's that's why it's bittersweet. Um,
0: uh, I've got two more questions for you yep. because I know we are going to wrap it up. How proud are you of the five Shield titles and being part of that three-peat?
3: Huge. As I said earlier, being a, um, I've always been a team first player. Um, my, my roles in each final were, were different. There were times where I did nothing, times where I contributed heavily, times where I didn't have to contribute really much at all. Um, but being a part of that, I guess you, you get to the stage of the season where everyone's cooked, everyone's tired, and then there is an element of war of attrition. And particularly with a few of those, I think three of those, if not four, were draws as well, knowing we're the top side. And we just got to make sure that our plan was to to make sure we don't lose, you know, and and that can be emotionally draining at the same time as well. So um, you know, to do it at, in Fort where well, we did one at the junction, one at the G, one at Alice Springs, one at Bluntstone, and one at Glenelg. You know, so, you know, so <laughs> the <laughs> narratives behind that, will probably need another three or four podcasts to go through that. But um, it, it's, it's great and, and I'm so proud to be part of a team both in Kilda and, and for Victoria that had success and be part of that. So um, that, that's one thing that I'm, I'm super proud of.
0: And we always ask the question, what, what does Victorian cricket mean to you? I've
3: heard this in the, in the previous podcast too and, and I sort of separated into into two. What does cricket mean for me? Cricket's changed my life and given me a direction and guidance in life. Um, it's given me confidence, assurance um, and I guess a chance to really um, grow into an adult through my time, you know, from 23 to, to 32 or 33, however I was, or 34. Um, Victorian cricket is something that I said I never I never thought that I would play for St Kilda first, let alone Victoria. I remember Matthew Elliott coming to my primary school one year and I've gone, I want to be him. And so to be able to... In a sense be him was probably something that what victoria cricket means to me it's it's awesome to represent your state you know to um to, to go out on the field and battle with some mates and um and win or lose i think the one thing that was pretty constant it doesn't have to be about drinking but the, the one thing that was pretty constant with a lot of us was come off the ground you had a crack have a beer you know you you, you need to be consistent you know, if if you're happy to have a beer and people get around you when you do well, you need to be that person to get around someone else when they've done well as well.
0: Just not KFC or Domino's pizzas. K- we had KFC parties, <laughs> we had KFC parties. It was all right. If you work, if you
3: if you if you do a lot of fitness, uh, uh, Dave Bailey used to be our strength and conditioning coach. Was you can nearly eat whatever you want if you if you train hard enough. Um, so I've just got that balance just a little off
1: at the moment. <laughs>
0: uh, Matt, thank you for coming in and being part of it. You said uh, one of your heroes growing up. Yeah, it's just
1: um, awesome just to sit down and listen to Yeah, for definitely, definitely. Months.
0: And Bobby, I you know we've been many G's for, for quite some time, so it's been great to have you on the podcast. And, um, yeah, we'll catch you again soon.
1: Uh,
3: thanks for having me. And I love this podcast too. I, I hope there's a lot of people listening to it because – the stories that are coming out of it from both a male or female perspective and 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 the past of, of Victoria, it's something that I think we've lacked a little bit in in the the past players' area. So to hear the guys like Merv and Huss and, and Herb and stuff like that so far has been has been pretty cool. So yeah. well done.
0: That's great to have you, Victorian and Australian player. <laughs> we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers. That is it for us uh, for this week. Uh, Matt, good luck in Queensland. Thanks, Waddy. Cheers. Uh, hopefully we can get some points. Um <laughs> And uh, set up. Uh, well, that almost get into the middle phase of the season now. Yeah. So we've got to start well, to, to make our guaranteed. move. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. We'll catch you then.